Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone who is tuned in this evening. Coming to you live, it is now 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Coming to you live via the talkshoe.com internet radio server. And yes, you are now tuned in to episode 283 of the exceptional Scribble Show. And I am your host, Sage, the page poet. That is my signature. I hope that everyone under the sounds of my voice is having a most productive day. And I understand that you're tuning in by way of a variety of time zones. We have the Eastern Standard Time, we have the Pacific, we have Mountain Time, and whatever the zone is where you are, I want you to know that I am very privileged and honored to welcome you to be a part of tonight's broadcast. Tonight's broadcast is beyond words, okay? I'm literally speechless, and that doesn't happen quite often. I'm speechless in trying to find the right descriptive title to give tonight's show, because you know I like to do that. I'm, I can be a wordsmith at times. So I'm not going to give it a title. What I'm going to say is on tonight, ladies and gentlemen, you are privileged and it is an honor that we would bring on to our show's panel such a distinguished guest. And I'm gonna introduce you to the to this distinguished guest by way of an introduction. And I'm gonna be sweet and I'm gonna be short, as short and sweet as I can be. And of course, you know, that is quite a leap of faith for me to even say. Because <laughs> I like to take my time, especially when I'm privileged and honored to bring on a distinguished Yes. So for tonight, ladies and gentlemen, in the spotlight, I will be interviewing Sir to some, Mr. to some, and other titles, I'm sure, of distinction many have for this distinguished special guest tonight. I will be introducing to you, presenting to all, Isaac Wilson the third, ladies and gentlemen. He is a motivational speaker, author, community, political activist. He was born and raised in Florence, South Carolina and attended Wilson High. He is a class of 2011 graduate of Morris College where he received his bachelor's degree in political science with a minor in history 
In 2009, Isaac became the founder of Listen 365. Now the Isaac Wilson Project. Mm, and yes, you will be hearing more about the Isaac Wilson Project during tonight's interview. And yes, we want to know more. Yes, we do. Through his hard work and commitment, it has become one of the leading organizations in the country against bullying, suicides, and youth empowerment slash development. Isaac has been speaking to middle schools, high schools, charter schools, colleges, nonprofit organizations, and churches throughout the country, spreading his message of being bold about whom you are, where you're going, and the epidemic of bullying. Because of his community service work, he has he was recognized as a who's who among entrepreneurs member and has served on President Barack Obama's task force on bullying since 2011. Isaac is the 2015 recipient of the Honor of Distinction Award given by Distinction Inspirational Magazine. Additionally, Isaac has garnered two national sponsors, Fiji Water and Chick-fil-A. Isaac recently was selected as a top 20 under 40 recipient by the Thomas Media Group and the Black Expo. Mr. Wilson is also currently the deputy director of the Southeast region of the Young Democrats of America the largest democratic body of youth ages 18 to 36. He's the 2016 Male of the Year honoree of the I Am Him Foundation. Isaac is the best-selling author of top 140 award-winning children's books, The Bully and Me, over 11,000 copies sold. Isaac released two other books entitled In Between Single and Married. When Your Reality Doesn't Meet Your Expectation and 20 Courageous Men. There is nothing more important to Isaac's heart than teaching young people that bullying or being a bully is never the right decision and that suicides aren't an answer to solving life's problems. He is a member of the Divine Nine Fraternity of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Isaac is a dynamic individual who truly believes that change can happen, but only if the actors involved are all playing their roles. Isaac was just recently a candidate for city council at large in his hometown of Florence, South Carolina. Lastly, Isaac recently became the part owner of the Florence Wildcats, semi-pro basketball team that began play March 2017. To book Isaac for events, everyone, you can visit the following link, www.theisaacwilsonproject.com. Org. I repeat, to book Isaac for events, visit the following link, www.theisaacwilsonproject.org. 
www.ghanaspeaks.org. And so let me be a little more specific next. Before I bring our special guest in the spotlight on to start the interview, here's what you also need to know. For tonight's show, we do have a focus. Yes, but yes, we will hear more about the Isaac Wilson Project. This is a big, major thing, and we must discuss it because this project is one like no other. It's community-centered and community-based to serve our community, to help build our community. So we want to hear more about that project. But we do have a focus. Our focus is we're going to have an open forum discussion of Isaac Wilson's book. And what is the title of this book that we're going to discuss? This is its title, In Between Single and Married, When Your Expectation Doesn't Meet Your Reality. So for tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not 18 and above, you probably won't appreciate everything we're going to say and discuss and, and all that because you're probably not in a serious relationship at that time in your life. You're young. You're just getting to discover more about yourself. So this particular focus for tonight is definitely geared towards reaching a target group. We're talking about those that are, at least I would suggest, 18 and up, especially 21 and up. And you're in a relationship, you've been in a relationship, and you're just not fulfilled. And for whatever reason, because not all reasons are alike, you're going to learn a little something more than what you already know, okay? So I'm saying come with your open minds, your open hearts, and yes, come with your writing tools, come with your recorders, but don't forget, I will be sharing the archive link for tonight's broadcast, post the show as soon as it is available. But just in case you want to know a little more and you want to be here for that open forum discussion, you want to participate, let me provide you with the following ways you can do that. Number one, if you're on the internet, just type in the following in the search engine bar, okay? Uh, because I want you to visit the correct link page, www.talkshoe, which is all together one word. Yes, shoe like the shoe on your feet, dot com. Once you have arrived there, click on the tab that reads browse. Once you have done that and the page loads up, type in the show's ID number in that browser search engine bar. 
You're going to type in 133193. I repeat, 133193. After which, here's the next thing you must do. When you arrive to that page, you're going to enter the chat room. You're going to join online. There's a tab that should read join online. You're going to click there. You're going to enter in. You can hear the show live. But also, I want you to enter the chat room. I have provided a lot there. There's information about how you can uh, learn more about the Isaac Wilson Project. I have the link there and some details about the project some highlights about it. I also have information about Isaac. Some of you, maybe you don't know about him. So I have some bio info there. I also provided uh, some other information there. So yes, because he is the author of more than just one book. All right. But just as a reminder for you to know, for tonight's show, our focus is Isaac Wilson's book, In Between Single and Married, When Your Expectation Doesn't Meet Your Reality. Okay? So now, with no further ado, I am now rolling the red carpet and turning the spotlight on to our special guest who is with us now on the panel and I'm going to welcome him to join us. Welcome Isaac. Welcome. So glad to, to be on the show. Uh, what a great introduction that you did. Uh, it's flattering <laughs> to hear people say all the nice things about you. So great, great introduction. Glad to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I want to say um, I actually was honored just reading that information. I said, oh, wow, I'm definitely going to say those things because I think that it's wonderful that we can say wonderful things about people whom are community builders in today's society and world. And and we're always we're always hoping to see, but when we can actually know that someone's out there doing it, you know, they're they're making their mark, but they're making their mark not self they're bringing the community up while they're making the money. So I definitely want to, you know, her applause and also your your flowers while you yet can smell them per se because it is well deserved on your part. So we'll begin first and foremost. Let's start with just having you share um, what made you write this awesome book. I, I was just, it, it, relationships started to be a trend, and I just had a, a different take, and, and then I read Steve Harvey's book, and I didn't agree with some of the things that he was saying in the book about the 90-day rule and all this. I said, well, let me just put my opinions out there. <laughs> and so I started just to, just to write, jot down my opinions, and I said, man, you got about three, four pages, man, you should write a book. And then we birthed the book uh, from there. So um, it was just, just my thoughts. Yes. Now, um, as for the publishing aspect, because we have so many people that have manuscripts that have been collecting dust 
and they're very right. disoriented as to, okay, they're saying, well, maybe I'll go the traditional route because that may, you know, turn out lucrative because they'll finance the book first and I'll know if I need to change anything right off the bat because they have certain guidelines or outline to follow, or maybe I'll do the self-publishing route. Uh, a lot of people are doing that nowadays, so maybe that may work best for me. So were those thoughts in your mind or your head when you had your manuscript ready, or did you already know what publisher or publishing house you would go through? How was the process? Um, it, it, that, that was my, my thought, too. My mind was all over the place. Like, I got this book. I want to do this. Now what? And so uh, this, I, I was talking to uh, my friend, and she was like, well, I know this publishing company. They're not big. They're small, but they're, you know, they can get you where you need to be. So I went to a publishing company first. And so after I published the book, I thought to myself, well, man, I, I haven't really made much money off of the book. Uh, so we got a deal to where I bought my publishing rights back from them, a couple thousand dollars, and bought it back from them. And ever since then, I've been self-publishing. Um, and, you know, it, it, it costs a little more up front, but on the back end, man, I've sold over 15,000 copies of my first book, The Bully and Me Now. Uh, and so all those royalties come to me because I've already paid the fees up front. So uh, if you're thinking about writing a book, um, definitely do self-publishing. Do all the editing and formatting yourself and just get all that money up front for yourself. Thank you. Very good advice. Now, in reference to, there are some online tools that are available and accessible that are free. Um, did you use, I've been uh, told, Grammarly is a good uh, tool to use as for the editing. Are you familiar with Grammarly? Yes. Online? Yes. They're okay. very, very good. They're very, very good. Yep. Okay. Because um, I've heard so many things. I've heard some horror stories how people had someone they trusted, um, you know, family member and, and the person uh, at the end, once they edited things, they said, oh, I'm going to charge you such and such by the page. There's a fee. And then after so many words, there's a, a flat rate and it's pretty high. So, you know, I just wanted to know if people would be better off just kind of doing it themselves and then trusting Grammarly uh, online, because I've heard that that's a really good resource. So thank you for sharing that. Now in reference yeah. to- I actually went um, through, actually went through a, a teacher of mine, so it, it, it was, it was mm. pretty good to trust her. She was an English teacher or whatnot, so that's what I did. <laughs> oh, awesome. Hey, that's good. That's good information. Thanks for sharing that as well. So we need to also consider our former English teachers, ladies and gentlemen. So I hope that you heard that. Write that down. Make a note of that. And um, so um, when your book, as you were writing your book, did you already know like all of what you want to write or was the book developing as you were writing it? Did you have an outline that you pretty much 
designed first and then you started writing that was kind of like a guideline as to what things what would the content be or kind of just get inspired and just begin to talk to people and incorporated things that people shared into your book how was your book developed uh, well, I, I first started to write my own ideas, um, what I knew about relationships and what I didn't understand and what I didn't agree with. And so the more and more uh, I started to write and I started to uh, connect the dots there, uh, I started then, let me let me post this question on Facebook. Uh, let me uh, 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 post this poll or uh, let me share this article or let me see what people's comments are towards this. And so that's how I kind of did my kind of survey to see what most people were thinking when it came to, like, for instance, the 90-day rule that we talk in the book, um, talk about in the book. Uh, let me see how these people kind of gauge this question of, of what do they think about the 90-day rule. And, and from there, I just kind of just wrote. I didn't care about the chapters, didn't care about anything. Just kind of just wrote. And then from there, I kind of just said, hey, now we need to compartmentalize this thing. What do we want to hit? Uh, what is dating? Uh, the 90-day rule. Uh, what is the end game to dating? Um, is it marriage? Uh, is marriage still a thing? So all these questions started to come, and I was just writing, and then I compartmentalized it, and then did the outline from there and came up with the four sections of the book. Okay, awesome. Wow. So you're actually, you just laid out for somebody out there or somebody's an excellent formula of how to go about this. yes they, you help them in a way that i'm sure they will really appreciate to the utmost because you basically gave them a map to follow if you do it this mm -hmm. way it works as you know because my book is published and it's a best-selling it's a book that is much coveted so it works follow my lead in that regard so i want to thank you for that because we always need book coaches and that's pretty much what you just did for all of us tonight you got into that book book coach role and we we need that as writers we need to be coached sometimes because sometimes we can right. get just caught up, you know, because we have so many thoughts, so many ideas, and we're full of emotion about a certain thing that we want to write about. And you just kind of have to learn how to rein it all in. And so a book coach helps in that regard. So thank you for helping our writers. Now, as for um, the title, did you have the title in mind first? before you began writing the manuscript? Or did it come later? It came later. And for all of your listeners out there um, uh, that, is, that are thinking, hey, I don't have a title, I don't know what to call it, I will simply say just write. Just hmm. write. Um, and then you when, you, when you read your book over and over and over, that title will pop up to you. And so again, I put these things on Facebook. Um, uh, I said little statements. I saw how many likes I can get off of, off of one statement. I saw how many uh, shares I would get. And one day I put uh, my title as a 
just a just a Facebook post, and it like got like two hundred and uh, three hundred shares. And I said, okay, that's the one right there. We're going in between single and married because that's where most people are in the world. Most people are in between single and married. They don't know what they are, and that's I mean, you can be single, right, or you can be married and definitely be in between. Uh, <laughs> so that's where it came from. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, and and it it is a it, that dilemma is at an all time high right now in this mm-hmm. country. A lot of people find themselves right there. We, if we're honest, we'll admit it. <laughs> and for those that are dishonest, mm-hmm. we'll never claim what's fact. But that's that's about it. That's about where a lot of people are in relationships right now. And I like that you use a colon and it starts off in between single and married. And then when your reality doesn't meet your expectation, I think that part, that piece is why we're in between the single and married. Because we we go into relationships, right? We have these expectations. So can you kind of shed light on why when your reality doesn't meet your expectation was added on. Uh, I, I think um, we have this, we, we have expectations uh, of us going into relationships. We have the expectation of what we want our mates to do. And we know we're not going to get 100% of that. We need to be honest with ourselves about that. Um, but we have this expectation of what happy is. And when we're in our reality, because we're going, we're going on little dates here or there, Oh, because they come and talk to us, uh, because they do but it isn't what we expect it to be in. We just kind of stay in it because we have somebody. We kind of stay in it because uh, somebody says they love us. We kind of stay in it because we've been in this thing for five or six years uh, or, or, or 10 or 12 years, and it's just what I know. So that reality mm-hmm. is not meeting the expectation that you set out for yourself, but you're, mm-hmm. you're making it the expectation. You're making it fit, and we need to stop doing that. And so when we do that, we cause ourselves to be in these situationships that we don't know how to get out of. Wow. Wow. I hear that. Very good. Very well articulated and very factual. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And I don't even have to say, let the church say amen on that. (laughs) I'm sure everybody's nodding their head already. So, um, right. This is good. Um, and now, in comparison with the 90-day rule that uh, Steve Harvey um, is, you know, he mentioned about, what would you say the 90-day rule is not? Um, that's just not fulfilling in terms of a person in that relationship in that place of between married and single that 90 day rule how can you say that 90 day rule is crippling rather than aiding one in a relationship uh, I, 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 I um I, I I don't think there should be a 90 day rule period I think okay. when you are grown and you are mature um you you have sex when you want to have sex um, just understand the consequences that come along with it. Because here's the thing. I can have sex with you on the 100th day, and I still leave you on 101 
Because one thing about right. men is we know how to hold out. One thing about women is women will play these games and tricks. So people can hold out for 90 days, have sex with you on the 95th day, and still leave. So what's the, what was the purpose? You've just wasted your time when you wanted to have sex with this guy on, on, on week four. So you've wasted everybody's time, um, and people could have been in other avenues of their life. So there shouldn't be a rule at all. Do what you do. Uh, if sex never comes up, and it's been 120 days, it just didn't come up. It wasn't that I was holding out. It just didn't come up. We were enjoying each other. If it came up in week four, it just happened to come up. Stop holding ourselves to these restraints because we're pushing people along the way. And what it does is it makes people think that they have a, they have to uh, go through these, this maze to get to you. You say, oh, well, 90 days, we ain't going to do this. So now my money doesn't have a 90-day rule. So I'm going to go put you on dates and go on dates and spend my money for 90 days, but you don't get to give me anything in return, even when you want to? I don't think that's fair. Oh, my. Well, okay. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I, hope, <laughs> I hope that you're hearing this. We need to hear this as adults. We need to hear this. It's all making good sense. And it's the truth, ain't it? You cannot dispute mm -hmm. what the truth. I mean, we can deny it as we often will at times, but we can't dispute it. It's undisputed. Well, um, yeah, yeah. A lot can be said in the form of an agreement to that statement you made. Those statements you made. All so, ladies and gentlemen, I think we need to stop putting time constraints on when things can happen and let things take its own natural course. I do think we need to be respectful of each other. I don't think pressure now, in terms of putting pressure on someone to do something, I think that's a whole different story. Yeah, that's a whole different story. Yeah, that's a whole different thought. But um, yes, by all means, let nature take its course. I think respectfully as adults, when that happens, then there's agreement in the relationship. And agreement matters to be of one accord, have the same mind for a relationship to work. Um, the, the, there was this statement you made, Isaac, and it really stuck with me about um, the reality and then the expectation being two different things. And that a lot of times we're in relationships too long because we, we want something or we expect something that's not the reality that, that we have or that we're in. So our expectation is this, and we want it so much sometimes that we are in a situation we don't belong in that's not healthy for us as for a relationship. We, we, we moved the needle. We moved the expectation needle. It was on 10, but because I love this so much and because it's here and because I don't want to you know, hear everybody's mouth and I won't, you know, everybody else thinks that everything is good and, and peaches and cream. I'm going to move this needle to seven and that's going to be the new expectation um, uh -huh. or whatnot, because we, we want that expectation to meet the reality of what we're going through. 
and it's really not. So um, that's really a, a key point that we ha- we have to stop doing. We know we're not going to get 10 for 10 in expectations because we were raised differently. We were brought up differently. But mm-hmm. you can at least get a nine. You can get an eight. I don't have to come down to seven to meet the reality. I just have to get out of the reality and go where my expectation is. Oh, I, well said. Well said. Well said. Well said. My, my. Well, this is, I tell you, this is a, it's like a counseling session tonight. We're getting some wise counsel <laughs> and say you're saving your money. You're saving dollars tuning in to tonight's broadcast. I, he's wearing that counselor hat tonight. So um, right. let me give the information one more time. If anybody would like to call in, if you'd like to call in so that you can speak directly with our special guest tonight, Mr. Isaac Wilson, author of his awesome book, which is entitled In Between Single and Married, When Your Expectation Doesn't Meet Your Reality. The number to call in is 867-292-3066. I repeat, 867-292-3066. And our show's ID number, when asked, that number is 133-193. I repeat, 133-193. And we do have the PIN number for you who are callers. If you're entering as a guest, you would simply press 1 when asked for a PIN number. Press 1, then press the pound key. Thank you. Now back to Isaac. And we're going to hear more about his book at this time. If you'd like to read some excerpts from the book, Isaac, you're welcome to do that as well. Well, I don't actually have it in front of me. Uh, oh. <laughs> so I won't be able to do that. Oh. Um, yeah. Well, if you can just kind of cue us in on any specific um, any specific scenario that you disclose in, in the book that you find a lot of couples find themselves in and um, a way or solution on how to, you know, succeed in that situation? One of the biggest things, and, and this is where my next book will go when we talk, when we talk about uh, sex lives and situationships. Um, we have to stop moving in together so quickly. Um, people think because you've been together for six months, oh, I'm at your house, you're at my house, why not just go in and live together? Uh, and so we save on bills. I, I just think that is, we, we have to stop doing that. You need to allow yourself time uh, to, to grow. You need to allow yourself time and space, uh, that area where you can go, where there's nobody, there's nobody there, there's nobody coming in. Um, there's no expectation when we're dating or when we're together in a relationship. There's no expectation for me to cook dinner every night um, because we haven't gotten there uh, yet. But once you start to move in, you start to do those wife and husband duties that you aren't even prepared to do yet. Um, you just think out of obligation because you live together that those things need to happen. Uh, I truly think um, that you shouldn't move in until a real commitment of an engagement happens. 
Um, so when I when I propose to you, we now have a year to plan a wedding. Why can't we let that year be the year that we live together? And if it doesn't work, we call off the we, we call off the wedding. We don't plan a wedding. But at least there's a sense of real commitment to where I put a ring on your finger. It's more harder for you to leave. I think you'll sit there and fight for me, or you'll fight to work through things um, if you uh, have that serious engagement. Um, and it's personal for me because after 17 years, um, you know, my mom was never married, was never engaged after 17 years. Her and my uh, my stepfather, he just he just up and left. There was no obligation. There was no expectation because there was no ring. There was no engagement. Um, and so when you're not in that element, you can just walk up and leave. Um, so we got to stop doing that part. That's one of my, my key points to the book of, of situationships. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that, you know, even from a personal experience. But um, I tell you, I can't help but uh, think on, we have a group of people that their opinion is marriage, legal marriage is just a paper. And so there won't be any traditional like uh, wedding or engagement and they decide let's live together maybe they've only dated a month and they've been together for maybe 20 years and they're saying when people ask okay so when's the date when are you gonna have an official wedding uh, they'll say um if it's not broke don't you know don't fix it. Um, they think it'll mess up. They'll mess things up if they have an official traditional marriage. Because they say, you know, people that do it the traditional way don't stay married, no way. So for that group, do you address that group in the book? I, I do address that. I address that in the that in, in the last part. I said the end game is still marriage. Uh, there are some things that in marriage that you get legally that you won't get for being with somebody for 17 years and years in a marriage. Um, so when you you were to pass away within that 17 years, your partner, although y'all was living living together for 17 years, you don't get no access. You don't get no pension. You don't get no benefits. You don't get to decide where they get buried. You don't get to make funeral plans because you are not married. It defaults to their family. Um, mm. And it doesn't matter whether you've been living for 17 years. There are some legalities in marriage that, 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 that makes you bonded together. Um, and it makes you one. And that's why I think God calls for us to get married because it does make you one because I get to care for you even in death. I get to care for you. Right. Even in death, you get to take care of me. Um, uh, or whatnot. If you got that pension, got that 401, got that insurance, you're taking care of me even in your death. You don't get that when you're not married. Well stated. Well said. Well, I tell you, people are getting their dose of the truth tonight. If they wanted it or not, <laughs> they're getting it. We're getting it. Um, and that's so needful. It's so needful. We need people that write books like you have done, okay, on relationships. You've written this book about relationships. 
who are going to tell the honest truth and not cut corners and just give it to us straight. Okay, no rock. Just tell me. Let me have it. Mm-hmm. Ow, boom. You know, kaboom. Sometimes that shake up. You know, sometimes that smack in the face called reality in that way. When it comes like that, it 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 helps us to see things clearer. You know, because sometimes our judgment becomes obscure, and and it's because we allow ourselves to be subjective more than we need to. Sometimes we need to be objective in our thinking. And we need to really look at it, and it is what it is, and how do we see ourselves from that, from seeing what the truth is, you know? And and where do we fall short? Where are the faults that we need to work on personally, you know? And I think even in a relationship, you can get lost in a relationship when you don't really have a sense of who you are and what your needs are and you're addressing those things in a relationship. You can become so over, you know, overbearing even in a relationship because you're doting on the other person more than you are checkmating yourself. You know, and just making sure, okay, am I here? Um, Have I done this yet? You know, am I because I need to now serve someone else aside from just me. So if I'm not uh, fulfilled yet and doing the things I should be doing for myself, how can I help and serve and fulfill someone else? So it's a lot to consider. I'm, I'm now in your book also because uh, I'm sure there's relationship uh, forums where you're probably invited a lot to speak on your book and the content and to um, conference, you know, groups on that topic itself. Um, Do you find that um, are people asking like for some sort of like a quiz or something to follow after reading the book? Like where it becomes kind of like a study group and, you know, Q&A type thing. Yes, people are looking for a relationship workbook where they can work to work with uh, mm-hmm. the opposite sexes. They can uh, just their friends and how to grapple this thing called dating um, or whatnot. Because dating is a process. Um, it, it isn't hard. It just people don't want to go through the formalities anymore. Um, and so some people ask for what I go through um, um, and wh- how I do it. And, you know, one of the things that people, many people don't agree with me on, but they're starting to see that it works, is that I think your first date should be Dutch. I think if you want to go on a date, you shouldn't say yes just because it's a free meal. You should say yes because you're genuinely like me. And what says that better than saying, hey, we'll pay for our meals. I just like your company. I'll pay for my own meal. I just want to have dinner with you. And that leaves room where if that date doesn't work out, both of you don't owe each other nothing. You pay for each other's meals. So people are looking for that guide and, and, and a way to go that works for them, and they want me to put that out. And so we're, we're putting that out within the next 
uh, in the next six months, actually, uh, we've been working on it for the past year. So they'll get that workbook and be able to ha- have questions and answers um, at different forums that we'll have uh, around the area. Mm, awesome, awesome. So the workbook, is there a certain date? Has there been a date set yet for when that will be released? Or We're looking at late spring, early summer, somewhere up in there. Um, oh. uh, so it'll be somewhere in like May, June uh, of 2020. Awesome, awesome. Because honestly, I think, you know, in college and universities, there's all these core curriculum courses, you know, that uh, they make mm-hmm. it mandatory for you to take when you have certain majors mm-hmm. and just some general ones just because you're in college. <laughs> you got to take them regardless of what you're mm-hmm. making. And I'm listening to all of this information that's just like a wealth of good resource for people in general. And I'm like, why not colleges, universities, why not incorporate? that as a course because I mean it's all about helping a person to reach their fullest potential college and universities right you know that's why we go to them because we want to become more cultured and we want our minds cultivated and you know we want to further expand and broaden our horizon in life so we attend you know there's something we feel we're lacking that we can only get you know, by going. So it's like this kind of a informative forum session, I believe, should literally be a course. And that would help so many people navigate in their life successfully. Because a lot of times you find people are succeeding in everything, in business and spirituality and uh, health and fitness and everything but relationships. That seems to be at the top of the list where we fail the most in life for the majority of successful people. I'm talking about the successful, you know, people we classify as being success stories, right? So I think if there's more emphasis placed on in higher ed on these courses, you know, um, for this, you know, how can we successfully, you know, achieve a a healthy relationship and having this book as a required text, not just a suggested, a required, (laughs) your book becomes a textbook. I think that would really be awesome. So I hope someone out there hears this and maybe, you know, you can move some things around, adjust some things, get some sponsors. We got to get, make this happen because too often, that's the area that most people find is most difficult to thrive in. And I think it's because it's not given this, the emphasis it should be, the teaching of how to succeed in having a healthy relationship. It's not really given. I mean, people wait until they're going to get married, right? And start saying, oh, I need to see a marriage counselor. You know, my relationship is starting to dwindle in this area and that area, what have you. When just imagine if we're already learning these foundation principles early on, we have our young people able to take the course, able to study 
and have studies and learn about, okay, how to have a healthy relationship. I think that'll save a lot of people money, um, <laughs> loss of a lot of things, energy, um, loss of just, you know, your inner peace. Well, you know, when we're fulfilled in, in, in a relationship, it does impact us in every other area of our life as well. So, yeah, I, I really thank you for writing this book. I'm excited to hear that there's going to be that workbook, and I will definitely be helping with promoting it where I am in this particular area um, in the city of Philadelphia. I appreciate it. Yes, indeed. It's worthy. It's worthy. It's definitely worthy. Worthy material. And I can and I can agree that it does need to be some type of some type of course. And I think even it needs to start earlier than that. I think you need to start in high school. Might not call it a relationship course, but you Mm -hmm. might call it something of the anatomy, uh, uh, something of the anatomy, some kind of uh, science course of how to deal with each other, how to deal with the opposite sex, how to, yeah. how to deal with those feelings. Why does the opposite sex have these feelings? When they come together, how do they match out? How do you know that you're compatible with someone? Uh, what is a toxic relationship? How do you know that someone's being toxic? So those things need to start a little earlier because not only does it help you out in your relationships, um, uh, your, your intimate relationships, but it helps you out in your friendships. Sometimes we lose friendships because we don't know how to deal with people. And we don't know what, what toxic friendships look like. And we don't know how to, you know, toggle between those. So, again, I, I, I think it does need to start a little earlier. Um, and maybe when you get in college, you maybe start thinking about a relationship course. But definitely high school, it needs to be something of, um, something of some kind of science course on how to deal with uh, the opposite sex. Very, very, very good. Very good. Very true. We must. Yes, indeed. We must start there. It's relationships, friendships form into lifelong relationships in most cases. And when they don't, it's usually because something someone did, you know, behavior. It's always a behavior for the most part that triggers the um, the ending for that relationship as for friendship or even business, even in partnerships business partnerships the same you know it's it's we've got to find that way of of living and and being that is going to constitute it's going to constitute success interpersonal relationship success and it does matter that we have literature like Isaac's book. It does matter that we have literature published like Isaac's book because it helps us in the process because we know it's a process. Succeeding in everything in life is a process. And when you have literature that's um, definitely good literature that's going to uh, specify for us how to succeed in a relationship that's what we need to have in our libraries in-house or in-home libraries we need to have them in our classrooms we need to have the book of course in in our um, neighborhood libraries and bookstores and we need to have book clubs 
reading his book and discussing it. So I want to say to everyone, hashtag Isaac Wilson's book tonight when you go on social media. Hashtag Isaac Wilson's book in between single and married when your expectations doesn't meet your reality. Because we want to create such a buzz that Google Analytics will recognize it and say, okay, Isaac Wilson's book. Anytime uh, the word between single and married or just single and married or expectation comes up, his book should go up right away on that page. <laughs> so we want to create that buzz. And, and we can do that. Come on, let's do that. We love to support our authors on this platform. We have our page on Facebook. We will definitely be uh, posting information about the book there. We have it on our Twitter page for the Exceptional Scribble Show. And we want to also uh, spread the word that our community organization uh, know about this. We have a lot of organizations in our community that target uh, couples, you know, for various events and various things. You want to, you know, let them know, hey, I think you should reach out to Mr. Isaac Wilson and have him speak because he has this awesome book that touches on this topic that you're um, organization is passionate about. So yeah, let's spread the word. Let's get Isaac, um, let's get him working overtime in 2020. <laughs> you right, know, he already right, has right. We need to work. We need calendar to work. set. <laughs> you know, you have a calendar set, but yeah, let's get him working overtime. I'm sure he'll appreciate that because he, you know, he's passionate. He's passionate about helping others. And that's why he wrote that book. Above all things, you know, being passionate about helping other people will motivate you to write books. And, and his book was well written, and it definitely spells out for you clearly how to succeed versus not succeeding. Most of us already know how not to succeed. We've all had a failed relationship or two or three or four. <laughs> in our short or long-lived lifetimes, right? So now we're saying, okay, how can I not continue failing in relationships and how can I start seeing myself succeeding? And I think that uh, his book is definitely one, you will find your answers. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter um, what your religion is. It doesn't matter... Um, you know, who you are, uh, sexual orientation, what have you. Relationships are relationships. We want people to be right. aware that this book is definitely a help guide and reference that's good. There's a lot of books out there. Like he said, you know, Steve Harvey mentioned about that 90-day rule. But I have to say, after hearing Isaac's comments <laughs> in response to why he doesn't agree with that 90-day rule, Hmm. I'm like, yeah, I think make, he made a lot of sense there. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you got to think it through, people. You got to look at all aspects, right. you know, open-minded. But, um, yeah, so now, Isaac, because um, I know that, you know, you're still young. 
and um, but very well experienced in, in what it is that you um, wrote your book on and everything. Do you have a mentor? And do you talk about how um, mentoring is key as well? Having a mentor uh, to assist when a person is in a relationship and they want to succeed. Having someone that they can talk with that would uh, fulfill the role of being a mentor, someone that they know, you know, is there for them in that regard. Is that something that you suggest in your book? Is that something that you have yourself? Or what do you have to say about it? Hello? I think we have a, um, Isaac, are you still with us? I see your number still showing in the call queue, but we're not hearing sound. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, there's a temporary technical difficulty, apparently, and it is affecting the audio sound system quality. So I just ask that you would bear with us. And thank you again for tuning in. Bear with us as we are working on a resolve. And I want to say again, uh, tonight's show, as I said already, I could not find the words to describe. It's just been awesome. It's just been really, really awesome. Uh, we have Isaac Wilson with us, and again, he is the national. He is a national award-winning and best-selling author, and we're discussing his book entitled In Between Single and Married, When Your Expectation Doesn't Meet Your Reality. Okay, so I wanna say again, you know, technical difficulties happen. I do apologize. It was the last three minutes. We had a four hour schedule. So if Isaac is able, he will call back in. And that final question, I'm sure, uh, will be answered at that time. But in the meantime, if anyone has any commentary that they'd like to share in the chat room, you can visit www.talkshoe.com. I repeat, on the internet, you can visit www.talkshoe.com. And once you visit www.talkshoe.com, click on the tab which reads Browse. And once you have clicked on the tab that reads Browse, all you need to do next is type into the search engine bar. The show's ID number, which is 133193. I repeat, 133193. 
Yes. After you have done that, you will navigate to our show's homepage. And when you're there, join me in the chat room and type. Just let me know what your thoughts are. The show has been in progress for an hour. Let me know what your thoughts are. Um, if you have any remarks, you can state them. If you have any questions, state them. But now what I'm going to do is provide the correspondence information because I'm sure a lot of people who are tuned in tonight do and will want to correspond with Isaac Wilson. You'll want to book him for your event as a speaker. You'll want to have him come and invite him to one of your book club meets and he'll come. Listen, he will come. So if you want to invite him to come to your book club and to speak, and um, if you would like him to come to your church, your public forum, public community forum, whatever, whatever. He is. He wrote that book with you in mind, number one. He wrote the book with you in mind. And let me give you a little background information about the book. I know he gave his spill and actually shared some excerpts and let you know, you know, from what perspective he was coming from. But the book, again, is entitled In Between Single and Married, When Your Reality Doesn't Meet Your Expectation. Um, the book is available in paperback, okay? The author name, Mr. Isaac Wilson. The date the book was released. Now, you, you'll probably say, what? The book was released on January 30th, year 2016. That book is so fresh as for its content. And what the book addresses is so like timely as for right now in this season, people, you would think the book just came out last week or maybe even today. That's how fresh it is. Nothing stale about it as for its content. So again, the book is available in paperback. You can go online to www.amazon.com dot com. That's one way. And again, the name is Isaac, I-S-A-A-C, Wilson, W-I-L-S-O-N. Or you could simply do this. You can go to his personal website. That's where I'm driving you. I'm redirecting your mind away from Amazon now. And I'm saying, no, no, no. That's one option. Amazon is just one. But the number one choice for correspondence, this is where you want to go. This is where you need to visit. And I'm telling you, this is where you need to visit because you will learn about the Isaac Wilson Project. Remember I told you we were going to discuss about his book during the interview, but we were also going to talk about the Isaac Wilson Project. Well, this is what I'm going to do for you now. I got to do this. This is what I'm going to do for you right now. We are definitely going to visit his webpage. I'm going to take you there. If you don't have your internet, you don't have your computer, I'm taking you 
there because I care. I'll take you there. If you're ready now, I'll take you there. Hey, I'll take you. I, I, I'll take you there. All right, I had a moment there. Okay, I'll take you there. All right. So for those that don't have their internet, I'm giving you a treat tonight. It's a free ride. I'm taking you there. I'm taking you to where? This is where you need to navigate to. For all correspondence to connect with Isaac Wilson III. The third, people. Not the first, not the second. The third. You need to go to his website. www.theisaacwilsonproject.org I repeat www.theisaacwilsonproject.org. When you visit that webpage, let me explain something to you. You will find out some things that you need to know. But I'm going to read to you. This is a statement by Isaac Wilson himself. And this is something that it holds true and is full of a lot of powerful okay virtue hear me hear me and this is the the quote i want to give ordinary students the chance to build a better version of themselves create self-esteem and a confidence that will create a better goals better lives and better dreams isaac wilson there's something about the word better people when you use the word better, you are taking everything to the next level. You know why? Because right now, where we are, we can call it a good place. Somebody say, how you doing? I'm good. How you feeling? Good. How you really doing? Good. You know, we get that responsive feedback a lot. It don't matter how old the person is, whether they sticks. 16, 26, 80. How you doing? Good. Okay. And occasionally you get these persons where you say, how you doing? I'm blessed, child. Occasionally we get that, right? So we can't forget that group because we know they exist. Oh, boy. Oh, my. All right. I'm not going to say there's anything wrong with it because I have said it myself. I'm blessed. But it's too cliche. When we say I'm blessed, we need to say it not like cliche, like it's a cliche. We need to say it with conviction because it is the truth. I'm blessed. How about you? And I do hope that you're feeling great. You know, we need to be a little more genuine, not so superficial in the things we say and do, okay? <sighs> now, once you are on Isaac Wilson's webpage, okay, and this is real, some real talk right here, you will notice 
he lists the following. There's several tabs. You see the home page, okay? That's the first page you want to go to. On this home page, it says you can request a free 15-minute consultation. Now, I want to say this, and I'm saying this from my heart of hearts. I know a lot of people. Very few writers have reached the status quo where he has reached with his authorships. And I'm referring to his best seller title, okay? For him to have the credits that he has beside his name, and for him to offer us a 15-minute free consultation, let me explain what that is saying. You are valued is what that is saying. He serves you and I respectfully is what that is saying. And more than that, he is being a humble servant and his servicing of the needs of others. That's why I am definitely going to do what I can do to help promote this book that he has written that I know is going to help revolutionize the minds and the lives of everyone who reads it. This is the holiday season, the time to give the time to give people. And because we have reached this holiday season, a time of giving, and we have reached it successfully, I'm going to encourage you to, to purchase two copies of his book. And what book am I talking about? Because remember, he has several books that are published. The one I'm referring to is this one, In Between Single and Married, When Your Reality Doesn't Meet Your Expectation. That is the book I am referring to. Purchase two copies and gift two people that you know. No, no, no. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Gift one person that you know with one copy and gift a stranger, a person that you don't know, one copy, and when you give that stranger, this is what I want you to say to them. Pay it forward. Pay it forward. And that's how we induce the gift that keeps on giving within our communities. We have to act it out. You can't just talk it, people. They're not listening. I had to learn that the hard way. I don't care if you are screaming, yelling, if you're talking, it don't matter what language. Even if you're speaking in tongues, it don't, they're not listening, people. So those of the religious or spiritual community, be aware of that. Your actions are what speaks louder than words. It's time to act it out.
We're not acting it out enough. And that's how we lose this generation coming up because we're not showing them. We're talking too much. And listen, I can speak about it. Why? This is a talk radio show, okay? So I know we're talking a lot, right? But if we're not measuring up outside of this talk radio show, then all this is nothing. It means nothing. Podcast, it means nothing. So what I have to do when I bring on authors, right? And we have a specific topic and focus every week and it's never the same. I have to ensure that I'm doing something leading up to that week based on what I'm going to be discussing about during an open forum discussion. I have to make sure that I'm doing some sort of activity that's community-centered and community-based, which, of course, relates with or to the topic that is the topic for discussion. And that's just the way it is. I have to do it before I talk about it. So I start setting goals as I'm going from week to week, because this is a weekly broadcast, all right? So that means I'm doing, I'm doing, okay? I'm here, I'm there. And I'm starting to check off the activities that I engaged in that are what this upcoming show is going to talk about. And then I know, wow, I lived it, I've been it. So I can talk about it. Yes, I have to be legitimate and authentic in all that I'm saying, right? So I got to be, I have to do it first. It, I can't make it no more plain than that. Right? Right. So I want to say to each and every one tonight, number one, the IsaacWilsonProject.org is about connecting with your community, engaging the youth in empowerment, self-empowerment via, yes, literature, of course, because we know literacy matters. Also, community projects. Oh, yes. There's things that need to happen, things that can be done on a grassroots level. We need to teach our youth that. And by way of demonstration, by way of doing, by way of, yes, we're going to help plant such and such in the community garden today. And this is this, the grade that's doing it, and this is the school. So we want the media to come. We want the media to cover this because this is going to inspire some other schools and some other youth to do the same in their community. And that's how we keep love spreading. When you have a sense of identity, and I'm talking about a healthy identity of who you are and what your community is, you can take on by way of an initiative. Okay, this is what I can do by way of community engagement to build up my community, to further enhance what is. Because there's a lot going on in our community that's good. It's not always published, unfortunately. 
And that's what I choose to do with this radio show. Publish the good news, because guess what? We already know what the bad news is. We got to deal with it every day we get up, wake up, and walk out our doors. And sometimes just getting up and waking up because it's in our doors. But the good in the hood needs publishing. So writers write. Speakers speak. Reporters report. What? What's good that's happening? Because we get enough of the negativity. Even the musicians, artists, musicians, recording artists, we need to, yes, musically testify of what is good more, okay? Because we've been telling a lot of negative things. We've been speaking about or speaking on a lot of the things that are happening that are not good. And 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 we've unfortunately been indoctrinating a whole generation accordingly, and that's not good. So how do we counteract that? We start doing good. I've been taught this. I'm revisiting this now in my lifetime. Good overcomes evil. So if that is true, how do I prove it in my life? Do more good than evil. That's simple. That's simple. Praise what is good that's happening in the community. Praise the good. And when we do that, we magnify all that is positive. With that being said, we encourage or promote good to become widespread. And that's what's necessary. Good has to become widespread in every state, city, county, urban and suburban setting, private and public, it doesn't matter. As the age old saying goes, whether you live in a mansion or whether you live in a shanty, you still need your basic needs met and until we are meeting the needs of our communities people until we're doing it and it's become widespread and we're doing it by every mean or mode of communication literacy is one that's so key i don't think literacy gets enough credit for what it does for society. Literacy keeps us growing. Literacy keeps us alive. Literacy keeps us motivated, encouraged. Literacy, 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 literacy. 
And we really do, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we really do need each other. A united front. And I'll repeat that. A united front gets us where we need to go fast. A united front, right? When we travel alone, it takes longer for us to reach our destination. It takes longer. So what we need to begin to do is to welcome others along the journey. Let people know, invite them in. When you're working on a project, and I'm sure Isaac could confirm this very same thing. Find out who else is like-minded, that has the time, the wherewithal, the resources, um, they don't mind networking. And that's how you build your team. Because no one, and I'm quoting one of my brothers who adopted into my family, Brother Mikhail, Michael Keller, and his wife is a dear loving sister as well, Diane Keller. But he always says this, um, it takes a team no one can do it by themselves and what i love about that saying is it's wholesome it's not saying that you can't do it's saying you can't do it alone and until we realize that we can't do it alone we're doing things alone unfortunately and it's taking us a longer amount of relentless because we don't have a team when you have a team, you can delegate. And when you can delegate, you get the gender. I'm not lying, people. When you have a team, you can get the job done faster. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying to you. Well, I want to welcome the co-host of the Exceptional Scribble Show. I want to say welcome. To the co-host, Warriorist Queens of Fort Thelman. Welcome. Wado, thank you, Dave the Paper Poet. And how is everybody tonight? All are well. We had an awesome, oh my goodness, we had Isaac Wilson with us. And he had to leave. He was, um, I tell you, his book, has an awesome book that is released in this book. We um, will be sharing a lot more information about on our radio show fan page. It's entitled, "When Between, I'm sorry, In Between Single and Married, When Your Reality Doesn't Meet Your Expectation. And he also discussed with us why the 90 day rule, 90 day rule, that uh, Steve Harvey uh, shared about in his book, he said, Isaac said he does not agree with that, that we should not 
put time constraints on uh, actions or behaviors that should be exhibited between two adults in a relationship. That things should come natural. When it happens, it happens. You shouldn't put time constraints because a lot of times then you're trying to make a person fit that you may not be a good fit for. So save yourself yeah. the trouble of um, experiencing losses that are needless ones. So it was an awesome, awesome time. I will definitely share the archive link so everyone can hear the interview in its full entirety. He shared, he dropped a lot of wisdom into our laps and uh, graced our ears with, with much as for pros of wisdom. So we have a lot to consider. And it was awesome having him on his uh, webpage again is www.theisaacwilsonproject.org. So ladies and gentlemen, you can visit the website and find out all the information that you need to know that I have not told you. And you'll also learn how to correspond with him to book him for events because he will come. If you call him, he will come. And he also has where for 15 minutes, you can receive 15 minutes for free. Consultation. I don't know anybody else that's a best-selling author and writer and motivational speaker um, that does that. He's the first 15 minutes consultation for free. But again, you must do this through his webpage. All his contact information is there, www.theisaacwilsonproject.org. Now, we're switching gears. The show's now become the free publishing tips hour and the lead facilitator, Warrior's Queen Zipporah Thelman has taken her throne. It is her moment, and I am in the back seat. All righty. Thank you again, Sage the Page Poet, and Asa Noi Nidadan, which is Cherokee for good evening, everyone, everybody. I am Warriors Queen Zipporah Thelman, co-hostess for the Exceptional Scribble Show and the Free Publishing Information Hour. And before I start, I want to say, Sage, that there is another connection with Isaac's uh, discussion and the things that I'm going to be talking about tonight also. Awesome. Wow. Great, mm -hmm. great, great. All righty. So I'm going to start with publishing information, and it's an article. And let me pull it up. All right, here it is. The article is titled, Courtney B. Vance appointed SAG-AFTRA Foundation President, dated November the 5th, 2019. And SAG-AFTRA Foundation stands for Screen Actors Guild-American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. All right, back to the article. 
nonprofit launches Entertainment Industry Council to advise foundation, including J.J. Abrams, Kathleen Kennedy, Donna Langley, Lachlan Murdoch, Ryan Murphy, Shonda Rhimes, Steven Spielberg, and more. Los Angeles, November 5, 2019. The SAG-AFTRA Foundation announced today that Courtney B. Vance has been appointed to the role of president. Current president Joe Beth Williams will retire after 10 years in the position. The transition will take place at the organization's fourth annual patron of the artist award, honoring Jennifer Aniston, Greg Berlanti, Ava DuVernay, and Mark Ruffalo on Thursday, November 7th at the Wallace Annenberg Center for the Performing Arts in Los Angeles. Courtney B. Vance is an Emmy and Tony award-winning actor who garnered numerous nominations, including SAG and Golden Globe nominations for his critically acclaimed performance as Johnny Cochran in the FX series, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, American Crime Story. Yeah. Pardon me. Now, he's also married to Angela Bassett. Yes, the queen. I thought so. Okay. Keep reading. Go ahead. Continue on. Sure. He most recently appeared alongside Julia Roberts and Lucas Hedges in Lionsgate and Roadside Attractions, Ben is Back, directed by Peter Hedges. Vance stars in the upcoming HBO drama horror series, Lovecraft Country. He rapped production on Uncorked, a Netflix film inspired by the family of Princess Penny, Insecure EP, a showrunner with Niecy Nash and Mamadou Assey. Also, he recently joined the cast of the Universal slash Will Packer romantic drama, The Photograph, with Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield, directed by Stella Maggie. And I checked out the preview, and it's good. We are proud to announce Courtney B. Vance is the new president of the SAG-AFTR. He embodies our values of education and dedicated service to artists, and he is a remarkable role model, said Joe Beth Williams. As for me, it has been a profound honor to serve as president of the SAG-AFTRA Foundation for the past decade. I look back at the great strides we have made over the past 10 years, with a fondness and deep pride in what we have accomplished. Though it is bittersweet to step back from this role, I have every faith that Courtney will continue the foundation's legacy and do the organization proud. Vance will begin his tenure with the launch of the foundation's first ever Entertainment Industry Council, EIC, which will advise the foundation on its work to support performers in all stages of their career. The council will function in partnership with the Foundation's Actors Council, whose members serve as important advisors and supporters. However, the EIC is specifically composed of industry leaders with exceptional expertise and vision regarding the entertainment and media landscape. Inaugural Entertainment Industry Council members include J.J. Abrams, John Feltheimer, Randy Freer, Jim Giannopoulos, Alan Horn, Jeffrey Katzenberg, Kathleen Kennedy, Donna Langley, Chris Melodandry, Lachlan Murdoch, Ryan Murphy, David Nevins, Richard Plepler, Shonda Rhimes, 
Tom Rothman, Jennifer Salke, Ann Sarnoff, Steven Spielberg, and Dana Walden. The SAG-AF, the SAG-AFTRA Foundation, is a vital organization, and it is a privilege to shine a light on it in my new role as president. My parents raised us to be helpers, and just as there are no small roles, there are no small jobs. This is an opportunity to help people and educate artists who are the backbone of our industry, said Vance. Joe Beth set a high bar, and I look forward to building upon her legacy with our new Entertainment Industry Council and our Actors Council. Together, we will raise increased funding for our assistance and scholarship funds and continue creating more robust free programs for our artists. I can't wait to get started. The SAG After Foundation is widely recognized for its work to prepare performers for success. The foundation provides free audition preparation classes with prominent casting professionals, voiceover studios with one-on-one time with engineers, on-camera audition taping, a comprehensive video archive of actors discussing the craft and panels on the business side of acting. These classes allow actors to get hands-on practical training on everything from the auditioning process to running your own business and keeping current with industry trends. The introduction of the Entertainment Industry Council will advise the foundation on its programming, ensuring that it remains unparalleled in its program offerings. Under Williams' helm, the SAG-AFTRA Foundation formed an Actors Council to champion the work and raise awareness for the foundation. Members include Annette Benning, Kate Blanchett, Jessica Chastain, George Clooney, Brian Cranston, Penelope Cruz, Matt Damon, Viola Davis, Robert Downey Jr., Jane Fonda, Harrison Ford, Morgan Freeman, Tony Goldwyn, Tom Hanks, Dustin Hoffman, Allison Janney, Eva Longoria, Julia Lewis-Dreyfus, Matthew McConaughey, Helen Mirren, Edward Norton, Mark Ruffalo, and Kerry Washington. In addition, the SAG After Foundation significantly expanded its award-winning children's literacy program, Storyline on, Story Online, a free educational resource and digital library for kids with over 575 million views worldwide. Storyline Online features 55 videos of acclaimed actors reading children's books aloud alongside animated illustrations to help inspire a love of reading in kids and received an Emmy nomination in 2018. About Courtney B. Vance. From studying history at Harvard, pardon, Harvard and acting at Yale Drama School to making history in Hollywood, Courtney B. Vance has carefully cultivated an exceptional career that showcases his passion, talent, and intellect. His penchant for successfully finding the dignity and honor in each character exploration has made this Tony and Emmy Award-winning actor a powerful presence from the theatrical boards to the silver screen. Courtney was awarded the Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Limited Series, the Critics' Choice Award for Best Actor in a Movie Made for Television or Limited Series, and the NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Actor in a Television Movie, Limited Series, or Dramatic Special for his stunning portrayal of Johnny Cochran in the epic series, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, American Crime Story. He also earned SAG and Golden Globe nominations for his critically acclaimed performance. 
Most recently, Courtney, a co-star in Lionsgate and Roadside Attractions, Attractions' Ben is Back, directed by Peter Hedges, alongside Julia Roberts and Lucas Hedges. He will also appear as a pivotal character in HBO's upcoming drama horror series, Lovecraft Country, and rap production on a Netflix film, Uncorked, with Niecy Nash and Mamadou Affy. The film is a father-son story inspired by the family of Princess Penny, insecure EP and showrunner. Also, Courtney has been announced as joining the cast of the Universal-slash-Will Packer romantic drama, The Photograph with Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield, directed by Stella Maggie. Other credits include his Tony Award-winning performance in Nora Ephron's Lucky Guy and noteworthy films such as The Hunt for Red October, The Preacher's Wife, Space Cowboys, and Terminator Genesis. Courtney and his wife, actress Angela Bassett, co-wrote the book Friends, a love story. The inspirational book is their personal love story and chronicles their story about healthy relationships. A native of Detroit, Michigan, he is a proud ambassador for the Boys and Girls Club. Currently, he resides in Southern California with his wife and their twins, Bronwyn Golden and Slater Josiah. About Joe Beth Williams. Joe Beth Williams is an Emmy, Golden Globe, and Oscar-nominated actress, director, and producer with over 140 credits in film, television, live action shorts, and behind the camera. Her iconic turns in The Big Chill, Poltergeist, Switch, American Dreamer, The Day After, Baby M, like Matt, and Frazier, as well as her Oscar-nominated directing in the short On Hope, has made Williams one of the industry's most celebrated actors. On stage, Williams has appeared in numerous New York theatrical productions, including Last Dance by Marsha Norman, Moon Children, Lady House Blues, A Couple of White Chicks, John Guerra's Gardenia, and the Vagina Monologues. Regionally, she has appeared in lead roles in Anthony and Cleopatra at the Old Globe, Idiot's Delight opposite Stacey Keach at the Kennedy Center, Three Penny Opera in Williamstown, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof at the McCarter Theater, Uncle Vanya, Tartuff School for Wives, and two seasons at Trinity Repertory Company. In Los Angeles, Williams has appeared on stage at the Geffen Playhouse and Jane Anderson's The Quality of Life, for which she received a Backstage West Garland Award at the Taper, and John Robin Botts' play Other Desert Cities at Pasadena Playhouse in The Night is a Child and the and at the Odyssey and the Fall to Earth. For 10 years, Williams served as the president of the SAG After Foundation, a charity that provides vital programs for both working actors and actors in times of need, as well as children's literacy programs that reach over 10 million children every month worldwide. Born and raised in Houston, Texas, she is a graduate of Brown University. She is married to director John Pasquin and is the proud mother of two sons. About the SAG After Foundation. The SAG After Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that provides vital assistance and free educational programming to SAG After artists and families while serving the public at large through its Emmy nominated children's literacy program, Storyline Online. The foundation relies solely on support from gifts, 
grants, and sponsorships for maintaining its free programs. For more information, visit sagaftra.foundation.com. All right, and I'm going to close with the main phone number is one three two three five four nine six seven zero eight, and the rest of the information is found on the website. The end. Okay. Awesome, awesome, awesome report. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I found it great, also, and that's why I decided to share it. Yes, thank you, because that's mm -hmm. wonderful news. Um, this promotion, I know he's ready for it. He put in years of his life dedicating it to being a variety of characters on the silver screen. He always, to me, was stellar in any role he played. From the hunt to Red October to the preacher's wife and so on. Um, and playing the role of Johnny Cochran. I mean, who else could have played the role of Johnny Cochran and did it superbly but him? I mean, he even looked like Johnny Cochran. Um you got the makeup artist. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he just got into the character in such a way, his eyes, he just had everything expression of Cochran, Cochran would give those expressions. I mean, he really thoroughly, I think he's one of the actors and there's very few of them that I can say this about that really gets into character. They lose mm -hmm. themselves in the character. He became yeah. Johnny. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when this I is yeah, Go I just ahead. wanted to connect. I'll say a connection. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to say a connection was that, you know, getting into the role of playing, and it reminded me of what Spike Lee told Pharrell Williams when Denzel Washington had played Malcolm X, mm -hmm. and he really got into the spirit. And Spike Lee had, was telling Denzel, you know, all right, stop, stop, because the tape, the film tape, was rolling out, running out rather, but Denzel kept going. Mm -hmm. I recall. Mm -hmm. That was the same when I interviewed Kerry Washington. She said that Forrest Whitaker became Idi Amin. She said from the time we got off the airplane, when we walked mm -hmm. amongst the village people, she said, I didn't see Forrest Whitaker. He picked the accent. He looked like mm -hmm. Idi Amin in The Last King of Scotland. If you've seen it, the characterization of Idi Amin, mm -hmm. he embodied the soul of Idi Amin. And Carrie was mm -hmm. like, I kid you not, you know, because she played one of the wives. And when mm -hmm. I had to interview her, she was talking about the various roles that she played. And that was when she went. She said, I tell you, she said it was really, it was quite riveting to witness something like that because it was like a possession. He became idiotic. Mm -hmm. She said, from the moment we got off the plane, it wasn't Forrest Whitaker anymore. And all of the people in the village, she said, when they looked on him, they said, Idi Amin, come back from the dead. <laughs> like they were like, Idi Amin. They didn't see Forrest. <laughs> so I was like, wow. You know, that happens yeah. sometimes. But yeah. yeah. You know, uh, mm. uh, go ahead. Oh, 
But Sage, it reminded me what you said about epic memory. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So very true. Yeah, and and it comes when you can go to a place you've not visited before, but it's a family estate or something, or just somewhere that you know mm-hmm. the people that you are relative to dwell, and you feel it. It's like a presence comes over you, mm-hmm. and you just know things, or you just it's just like a sense. You just know what you wasn't taught about that particular people or place or thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's real. It's real. You, yeah. DNA it's is powerful. Uh, yeah, it's like my late maternal grandmother when she told me about my writing and she had said, I'm just repeating what she said, write about the black people and here, that's what I'm doing, writing about American Indians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But see, there it is. You know, we honor the ancestors when we uh, use the gifts that we've received because for the mm-hmm. most part they had those gifts too so it's like they handed them down to us and as a gift recipient we should cherish the gifts that we have been given and always give thanks you know I think my maker but I also think that they the way. you know and they were the first before I even knew my name they were the first to do whatever it is that i think i'm doing that i feel i might be doing um different from anybody mm-hmm. you know they did it first <laughs> it's like so mm-hmm. honor the first <laughs> honor the first but it is a privilege yeah. I'm, I'm excited i'm excited hearing about him being president now, and this is what organization again in film? Yeah, yeah it's uh, the SAG-AFTRA, Screen Actors Guild, and American the Federation of... Oh, goodness. Wait, let me get back to it. And these are the organizations I know that all actors usually they have to enroll or, or they are part of because this is how they mm-hmm. become, you know, uh, acquainted with a lot of the things that they should know to be mm-hmm. successful in their profession as an actor or actress. So, wow, he's this is a major um, move. This is a major move on his part. And I wish him all the best. I know he's ready for it. I wish him all the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said he was, you know, couldn't wait to, you know, work. So by him being in the field, you know, he's a continuation of whether he's going to be learning about, you know, new things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. That yes, is- I'm listening, and I was, yes, all right. And I had just found with a sad after stand for us, and now I can't find it again. Oh, but it deals with the Screen Actor Screen Actors Guild slash um, American Federation of Television and Radio Actors, I recall.
All right. So. Sage, you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Oh yeah, I was yeah because I was uh, sending the noise I was hearing in the background. Oh okay, that that was probably the keyboard because I have, I'm actually typing while the show was in process because we still have the chat room. Oh all right, thanks. Oh mm -hmm. thanks. All right, so I'm going to move on, and I'm going to uh, go to my writing advice and discoveries which is the following two pieces. Number one, nouns change with time, which become classics. And number two, poetry is a flow of words that connect in line. I will now take questions and comments for the two pieces I just read. Did you repeat the first? Sure. Number one, nouns change with time, which become classics. Okay. What change with time? Did you say? Uh... Yeah, nouns. The name Damn. of a person, place, or a thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. what I just wanted to make sure I was hearing correctly. Mm. Nouns right. change. With time, uh, that become classic, or which become classic, which become classic. Okay, mm -hmm. and that is a fact. I'm sure everyone can affirm and and confirm. Uh, they do. Mm -hmm. They do. Um, for example, and I'll take like your stories, uh, children's, many children's stories like Hansel and Gretel, Cinderella, and I'm coming by way of literature, of course. Um, you know, these books, these class, these stories, things, they were things first, you know, they became classics. Now it doesn't matter where in the world you go, the story of Cinderella is known and it's written in other uh by other cultures um you know they had their version of it but it was just a story that originally um originated or evolved in one place of the world and now it's international and that's another mark of anything when it comes full circle uh it reaches its apex or its you know, highest point, it becomes international. Yeah, it's yeah. For example, even as celebrities, you have your first, they're a celebrity, right? They have celebrity status, okay? VIP. Next, they become an icon. So it's not just superstar or stardom. Now you're an icon. When you become an icon, that's international. That's world we now status quo. So it's levels of success in everything in life. There's levels of success, like a, a hierarchy, per se, or like a pyramid. You know, you you reach or climb to that point, that highest point, the apex. You climb or reach that. 
you're not that overnight and, and nobody's that overnight in the beginning don't believe those lies <laughs> i think it was a, a a song that came out you know to make you a celebrity overnight yeah watch that kind of stuff there's that's a uh there's a catch but the apex and this is a, a word that's a noun and a verb I'm going to give you the definition as now. It's the top or highest part of something, especially one forming a point, which that's what I was just using it as. Like your pyramid has an apex. So does success have a top or highest point? Um, now, the verb for apex is reach a high point or climax. And they give us a sentence, for example, melodic lines build up to the chorus and it apexes at the solo. So again, that's the verb definition, to reach a high point or climax. Mm -hmm. Like in music, you have the crescendo, the highest, you know. <laughs> you bring it up to a crescendo. So we want our success to apex. We want it to reach a high point or a climax. We don't want our success to be mediocre. We don't want our success to kind of be a little borderline uh, good and satisfactory. We want it to be good success and we want our success to reach its highest pinnacle. And it can happen. It takes time. And that's the thing. Diligence is how refinement happens. Diligence. It's only through diligence that refinement will or can occur. So as long as you're diligent, note, you are reaching the top. If you're diligent, you are reaching the top because you're climbing. You're not at a standstill or a default. You're not faltering, that is, okay? So that's key information, pass it on, encourage others with it, and definitely look in the mirror at yourself and say to yourself, hey, self, not looking bad, you're doing well, but you can do better, so let's go for it. Sometimes you gotta motivate yourself and encourage yourself, say it ain't over yet, Hang in there. It gets better. That's the goal. Go from good. I'll never forget Les Brown said it. Go from good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better. And your better is best. So that's your climb. Good, better, best. And the apex, that highest point, that pinnacle, that's best. That's where we should want to reach. So we should never get comfortable and cozy or complacent where we stand now. Okay? Good, but not better yet. So we need to strive for better. And then once we get better, we want to go from better to best because that's growth. That's self-empowerment. And that's fulfillment. And that's called reaching your destination or your destiny. So we got work to do, people. We got to keep moving up. 
But we're so happy of the good news Warriors Queen shared tonight. Um, that particular actor, yes, he deserved, it was well-deserved for him to be nominated into that office as president over the SAG. And I know that a lot of good and great things are going to come from that. He was diligent as an actor. He was diligent. Every role he played, I loved. I thought he always gave it 100%. And um, those are the actors and the actresses uh, that you will prize or cherish because you know it's heart and soul with them. And they're doing what they're doing out of conviction. It's not just about the money with them. Mm -hmm. Really. Yeah. And Warriors uh, Queen, there was a second one. Could you repeat that for everyone? I want to make sure everybody had both things, had the sure. time to write it. All right, number two. Poetry is a flow of words that connect in line. Hmm. Poetry is a flow of words that connects in line. I tell you, being one yeah. who writes. Now, did you read it all? Yeah, that, and it wasn't connect. It was connect, singular. Oh, okay. Thanks for the mm -hmm. correction. You're welcome. Um, I just want to elaborate and uh, say it one more time for me. Yeah, the poetry full... is a flow of words. Sure. Poetry is a flow of words that connect in line. Poetry is the flow of words. Yeah, a flow. Is mm -hmm. a flow of words that connect in line. Is it in line? Yes. In line, yes. And I, I would agree with that. You know, as a poet, I would have to say that, yes, it is a flow. The words flow together. Even if they don't rhyme, they flow together. Um, it's consistency. Poetry is it's storytelling, but it, there's a consistency because it's a flow and it's consistent, and the story is told from beginning to end. And it's not, it's not the same as a narrator. It's a flow, meaning it has rhythm. It does, it has rhythm. And anyone that has studied English literature or literature, you know, you study these different forms of writing, and you learn that poetry, it is. Poetry is rhythmic. Even when people don't realize it, it's rhythmic. It is. And just like you have the haiku, there's certain measures for each line. You know, music, I tell you, music is subtle. Music is like the uh, prince of thieves. <laughs> I'm like, Music is like the Prince of Thieves because music is hidden in poetry. 
it's interwoven and part. Like if you really take a poem apart, line by line, you find that it's like, wow, this has a musical quality to it, or this has a certain rhythmic. Yeah, that's music. It's like you can't, you can't love poetry and hate music. There's no way. There's no way because the two actually mesh. So poetry does have a flow because music meshes within poetry. And I think that's awesome as a poet. Knowing that is awesome and also appreciating the knowledge of that is awesome. Because then when you write your poetry, it's like a certain respect you give it because you understand I'm not just writing words, I am connecting words because words flow together, meaning they have a rhythm. There's a certain musicality about them. And, and that's how poetry is. That's poetry born. That's really what poetry is. I love that. Thank you. And then another thing I had discovered regarding poetry, that rap, rap stands for rhythm, no, um, yeah, rhythm, no, rhyme, and poetry. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Mm-hmm. In college, I heard rhythm and prose. So that's interesting. Rhyme and poetry is one way for rap and also another way to interpret it as for an acronym is rhythm and prose. Interesting. Wow, another connection tonight. Mm-hmm. It's, it's true. You can't have you can't have the text without the 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 music. It's like the two intertwine. It's a dance. It's a dance. Definitely a dance. All right, um, I'm going to continue on, and I'm going to read with a uh, some more connections with Isaac Wilson's book. All right, here's an article that's titled "Sound Off: Why Black Love Still Matters," and this the website is found at Essence.com, but you can also type in this uh, the title. There is no universal code or standard for black behavior. We think, walk, talk, and exist in many different ways across the United States and the diaspora at large. It's by Jamila Dash Asali I dot Noel dot Lemuel, dated July 6, 2011. There is no universal code or standard for black behavior. We think, walk, talk and exist in many different ways across the United States and the diaspora at large. Yet we often hear people talking about sticking together, looking out for one another, and embracing the concept of, quote, black love, end quote. Why is this so important to us? When it comes to African Americans, love is a very complicated and often evasive concept. Our enslaved ancestors had to fight for love and sneak it in when our captors were not looking. As Bell Hooks says in Salvation, Black People in Love, post-slavery movements to secure true freedom often made our men feel like they needed to be, quote, fighters, not lovers, end quote. 
They did not always see that it was possible to be tender, romantic with love in the home at the same time that they were strong and battle-ready when dealing with the enemy outside of it. And while women contributed a great deal of nurturing, they also struggled with balancing the demands of work and love. We have often experienced forced separation from our partners and our families that has made love a romantic concept. Some would have you believe that interracial love is some sort of symbol of advanced progress and that those of us who continue to uplift the notion of black love are stuck in the past or behind the times. Yet at every turn, we are confronted with continued evidence that many members of the world at large fail to recognize black people as full citizens with the same rights and the same humanity as others. We are still coping with the after effects of slavery and legalized oppression as well as the continued hindrances of our ability to live and prosper as others do in this country. So while this does not mean that mixed love can't be real love, it certainly is not evidence that the world has progressed past race. Don't get me wrong. I do not believe that the entire world is out to get black folks. However, I acknowledge that despite our many gains over the years, we are still perversely affected, challenged, and damaged by racism. As a result, loving one another has become quite difficult at times. We have been both told that we are unlovable as shiftless, lazy, thugged out black men and crass, which means lack in sensitivity, refinement, or intelligence. End of definition. Back to the article. Emasculating a wholly self-reliant black women, and we have also at times perpetuated some most unlovable behaviors. When a couple or a family or even a set of friends manages to love, truly love, in the face of challenges that seek to tear them down at every corner, then this basic human instinct becomes an accomplishment. When two people can see past the messages in the media assaulting one another's humanity, why are black men so this? Why can't black women do that? And instead recognize both the beauty of their own brother or sister and their own reflection in them, that is a lovely thing to behold. When we commit ourselves to supporting one another fully, we are powerful and gorgeous in ways we may not even recognize. You can be as, quote, post-racial, end quote, as you like in your mind, but the reality is that the world around us hasn't gotten there yet. We still need one another. It is still important that we are committed to loving our brothers and sisters. Together, we represent a powerful affront which means an action or remark that causes outrage or offense. End of definition. Back to the article. To the challenges before us, divided we invite the continued external and internal abuse that we have faced for so long. So when we look upon a happy couple or a cute family and almost instinctively say, yay, black love, it isn't born out of any contempt or hatred for anyone else. It is instead recognition of something special something that has been grown in spite of great attempts to tear it down at the roots. Black love still matters. The end of this article. Well, black love, I tell you. A lot of us wouldn't be here if it didn't exist. (laughs) Black love. That's what we're talking about. Love between black 
man and black woman. Well, what I can say is that is what needs to be seen more, even on the silver screen, more epic movies that are biopic, that are tales, that are true accounts of people of color who had real love for each other. Because I think we see so much, um, you know, they vilify the black male in a lot of pictures and a lot of movies and even the Harriet Tubman movie, having the one character um, uh, playing a role of, he was, of course, he was the enemy of his people and he did what he could to prevent Harriet that represented the uh, woman of color that was trying to help her people. So he was the man of color that was trying to prevent his people from being free. So he was like the antagonist and Harriet was the protagonist in the, in the movie Harriet Tubman, this new movie that just came out entitled Harriet. So what a lot of people found as offensive was that. Okay, why can't there be a movie showing? And even Harriet's husband, like she she goes back to get him, right? So when she goes back to get him, he tells her he married somebody else. They got a child on the way. And they show Harriet, she's all emotional, she's breaking down, she's hurt, like, what? No, no, what are you saying to me, right? So in the movie theater, all the women start yelling, right? So then <laughs> the man, he's sitting next to me, he's like, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Hold up. This is a movie. Why don't everybody just be quiet? It's a movie. But I mean, it's <laughs> you know, you get the woman like, what? No, he's Oh, she went through. How are you gonna do that, Doc? But I tell you, that's what needs to be. Yeah, just, yeah. The woman and the man within our community, mm. loving on each other, not divided, not separated, mm. but together. And I think if we see more of that in film, it's gonna impact the community at large. Mm. Yep. Yes, just like the photograph with Issa Rae and Lakeith, was it Lakeith Stanfield, and also Lil Wei Howard is in it too. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's very subtle. Hollywood, and it's still Hollywood. They still have their prejudices, and mm -hmm. you know, it's still some work that has to be done. But I must say, the people of color in Hollywood who have been actors and most of them now, a lot of them are, they moved up to directing roles and some mm -hmm. even producers. I think that they have, they're the reason why they have impacted. And of course the forerunners, you know, we got to acknowledge the forerunners mm -hmm. uh, that paved mm -hmm. the way. The legends. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
Wow, this is really great, these connections that, I'm pre- that I've am uh, that found and are speaking of. <laughs> yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm moving on. All right, another connection with Isaac Wilson's book. Uh, this will be Medea, Let Them Go, from Medea Goes to Jail Play, found on YouTube.com. And in that part, she's talking about, you know, comparing people to a tree. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I remember that part. Yes, 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 mm. yes, yes. Oh, yes. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, as for metaphor, yes, 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 yes. Lado, thanks. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Mm-hmm. Here's a quote: "Don't chase people. Be yourself, and be yourself. Do your own thing and work hard. The right people, the ones who really belong in your life, will come to you, and stay." End quote. By Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to remember that because a lot of times I think we try to save relationships. We have to understand some relationships in our lives have dissolved. And they that means there's no root. When that happens, there's no root. So why are we trying to save something that has no root. If it doesn't have a root, it's not going to grow. So we need so we need to keep that in mind. If it doesn't have a root, it's not going to grow. So if a relationship dissolves, then that means time told us something we didn't already know about it. I'm told it's something we didn't already know that we needed to learn. And it it's our, it's in our best interest that we learn that lesson and that we learn it well so we can move on and carry on in life successfully and productive. Things happen for a good reason. They always do. We don't always know why. We do know it's in denial why something dissolved. But when it comes to a relationship, if it had no root, you got to think about compared mm-hmm. to anything that grows, you know, the baby, there's that umbil- umbilical cord, um, how it's able to receive uh, the nutrients that it needs. And it, it takes from its mother, right? So in our relationship, Mm -hmm. right, okay, if it has a root, that means the nurturer, okay, it's going to receive what it needs from its nurturer. And in a relationship, you have two people, right? And when those two people are in that relationship, it's supposed to be nurturing happening, right? So whoever the primary nurturer they are and whoever the sub um, or the second dairy nurturer is, they are. But if you're not nurturing that relationship, 
You're not giving it water when it needs it. You're not giving it sunlight when it needs it. You're not giving it the bare necessities and essentials that it needs for growth. Then that relationship can't live. It dies. And if a relationship does not have its roots where it can sustain itself by way of receiving the nutrients it needs, it dies. So it's up to the par parties involved. A lot of times people on the outside looking in and they say, oh, y'all need this, y'all need that. Y'all need this, y'all need that. But the two people in the relationship have to come to terms with what it is that's, that they need and they have to be the supplier. Outside supports in that regard, they can't save a relationship and a lot of people they take it so hard the relationship fails or it doesn't continue doesn't last sometimes the people on the outside take it hard because it's like why didn't it work why didn't they make it what's what could what didn't i do you know it's not you it's the two people involved and it takes two and if one person wants it more the other wants it less, then it's not going to live. It's not going to get the nourishing from the two parties it should. It takes two in a relationship for it to work. And sometimes it's just not meant to be. Some things are seasonal in life, but we have to accept that. So, you know, it's a learning. And I like that the book entitled In Between Single and Married, When Your Reality Doesn't Meet Your Expectation, the book addresses that. How to know when to say when. Because sometimes in a relationship, you can stay in it to win it, but it's not meant to be. So if you're staying in it to win it, you're going to be emotionally, psychologically, and literally physically drained the longer you are in it trying to win it when it's not meant to be so you do have to come to terms with what is reality and that's why i like the part of the book where it says um in between single and married and after the colon it says when your expectation doesn't meet your reality but sometimes we go in a relationship and we have these expectations. But honestly, what the reality is, that's not what the expectations are. Those expectations aren't going to be met because what is is not what we hope to be. And you can it doesn't matter how long you're in a relationship, whether it's two years, whether it's nine, 19 years. If it's not the expectations that you have or the other party has, then it's not going to be the reality of what it is. So it's a waste of time for you to continue mm -hmm. something and there's just no, it's just no roots. It's not happening. So you do, and, and that book, another reason why that book is so essential right now is you're finding the divorce rate in the community is higher than the single rate. 
the divorce rate is higher than the single rate. That's showing there's an imbalance. So apparently there's information people are not getting before they come to that place in their life where they decide, I want to marry, I want to settle down. So it's important that people know the facts first. Don't go on hearsay. Don't go on, well, somebody told me that I should marry. <laughs> mm. I should marry oh, Jerry. Oh, my goodness. They said I should marry Jerry because Jerry's a good man. Jerry keeps a job. Jerry has a good job. And Jerry ain't never been married. So I'll be his first wife, right? So the person marries Jerry. Then they find out, yes, Jerry's a good man, but Jerry's a good man with a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. Jerry has a good job, but Jerry is a workaholic. And Jerry has a gambling addiction. <laughs> and Jerry drinks too much. <laughs> so see, always know, people sometimes are going to tell you everything that's good about somebody. And they tell you just enough to hook you to have an interest in meeting that person. But they're not going to tell you everything. Always know that they're not going to tell you everything. So for ladies, what we need to start doing, because a lot of times it's the women that get short and sick. And then they get into the situation and they get into the relationship. And what do they start thinking? I can fix them. They want to be the fix-up woman. I can fix him. I know he broke, but I can fix him. And a lot of times, because we're not supposed to be the fixer, we get broke trying to fix what's broken. And what's broken doesn't ever mend. And what happens is, it ends up with a relationship with both parties as broken people. That's not the way it's supposed to be. So what we have to start doing is, unless you know Jerry is the one you want to marry, and you have a confirmation in your spirit to do it, just let it go. Just go on a couple of few dates with Jerry, have lunch. You know, okay, Jerry, how you doing? Jerry, Jerry, let's go. Jerry, there's this play showing tonight at the theater. Wanna go, Jerry? All right, Jerry, let's go. Jerry say, okay, you wanna go out to dinner? I'm gonna treat you. Okay, Jerry. But don't get yourself in too deep. In the beginning, you're supposed to what's mm -hmm. called um courtship. You get acquainted with the person, get to know who they are, how they are, right? courtship always have a courtship when we speed and we don't pay attention to the speed bumps in the road the speed bumps are in the road to slow us down 
because we're going too fast. We move ahead of time, find ourselves in a fix or a ditch that we cannot get out of quick. Mm-hmm. And then we're in need of help. So we need to mm-hmm. wisely choose in that regard because there's so many hurt people today coming out of Mm -hmm. a relationship. They had high expectations and hope for the best, but it was just not meant to be. So we have to note the difference between having expectations and what is reality. And that's why that book, again, I'm gonna say it, anybody that doesn't have it, please purchase your copy or gift somebody. This is the holiday season start ordering copies that you can gift people who are adults with um because this book of course is for mature audience it's entitled in between single and married when your expectation doesn't meet your reality and order the book now and i'm going to tell you where to go to order it you can go to www.theisaacwilsonproject.org i repeat www.theisaacwilsonproject.org. Now back to Warriors Queens of Port Thelman. She is the lead facilitator of this hour, the free publishing tips hour. All right, thank you again, Sage. And I'm gonna continue on with uh, Isaac Wilson's uh, connection. Mm-hmm. And here's an article about what you just talked about, you know, settling. And uh, it's from Ebony Magazine, which is October slash November 2017 edition. And it's on page 67. And it's titled, Don't Settle, Boo. Hold out for Mr. Right instead of Mr. Right Now. Uh-oh. As tempting as it may be, uh, as tempting as it may be, Settling when it comes to love is one of the worst things you can do by Chantel E. Jameson. We hear these lines all the time. You aren't getting any younger. Girl, he's got a job, a car, and no kids. You better hop on that. And my all-time favorite phrase of encouragement for a single woman in her 30s, you're going to die alone. By now, everyone should understand that attempting to build a life with someone else takes lots of work and dedication. Yes, people will have to cross off more than one characteristic or preference on their checklist of perfection, but what good does settling really do when it comes to love? All those St. Louis-based licensed clinical social worker and practicing therapist Candace A. Williams acknowledges that people settle for so many reasons None of them seems to be good. Most times, people settle due to their insecurities, complacency, or being content, said William, says Williams. Call me old-fashioned, but I'm inclined to agree with her. Settling is a terrible thing because it leaves you in a state of unfulfillment in your relationship. Granted, you may not find someone who meets your every need, but settling, that's just an act that requires you to sign up for too much deprivation, and voluntarily agreeing to be robbed of the type of love that you need, desire, and most important, deserve. In other words, you're saying yes to less. 
According to a study published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, 18.4% of respondents who had, pardon me, had an, quote, explicit fear of being single, end quote, while 6.6% anticipated, quote, being fearful in the future, end quote. In the same study, researchers also noted that of those surveyed who feared being single, 40.1% admitted to being afraid of, quote, not having a long-term companionship of an intimate partner, end quote, and 11.8% conveyed a, quote, fear of losing their current partner, end quote. Williams says fear is one of the main reasons why people decide to skip holding out for Mr. Wright. Some people settle out of a fear of, quote, starting over, end quote, once a relationship has ended, explains the therapist. Many people fear being alone, especially as we get older. But there's hope. If you decide to bravely push fear to the side and hold out for the person who truly deserves to be called your mate, William says your wait will be well worth it. Not rushing into a relationship with the first available suitor allows you to involve yourself in activities you love with the people you love, she states. Take this time to not just figure out what you want, but to claim it through vision boards and journal entries. Get out, find new activities to try and enjoy. Though Mr. Wright doesn't necessarily have to be Mr. Perfect, he can be perfect for you. And I've got news for you. You won't have to settle to find him. The end of this article. Mm-hmm. This makes me want to um, read a poem. So I'm going to look for it. As I look for it, Warrior Team, you can continue on. We're doing a fine stop, lead facilitating, and I'm going to find a poem that coincides with that article shared in the topic. Thanks. You're welcome. All right. Now, this next quote I'm going to read, I don't remember, you know, who said it, but it's uh, something on this order. The quote is, instead of looking for the right person, how about being the right person? Mm-hmm. That's it. The onus is on us. So women, instead of looking for Mr. Right, be Miss Right. <laughs> Spend more time <laughs> with you. Fix you. Don't worry about when he coming. At least you know when he come, you'll be ready. That's what's important. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> All righty. And I'm going to end with tonight's suggested reading, which is titled Lessons, Shattered Pieces Being Restored by a Poetry Book by LaDonna Marie. And here's the summary. We live in a day and time now that we experience so many things. Each life situation may be ranging from joy to sadness, and it becomes a part of our story. With the poetic scribes in this book, the author looks at the different life scenarios, the true, real, and present issues. Author LaDonna focuses on thoughts about growing pains in life, the ones searching for love, and those who seek to become empowered to grow. It is the author's hope that each person is able to find the strength to move forward, 
seek healing and grow. It is the author's belief that as you stand strong, you will and can make it in difficult times. You can rise higher. You can be greater. You can be restored. The end of the summary. Yep. Um, wonderful. So I'm going to be true to my word. I did find the poem. And again, mm -hmm. I am going to share a poem. It ties in with the book by Isaac Wilson entitled In Between Mary When Your Expectation Doesn't Meet Your Reality. And this poem is entitled Promises. And it is by Sage the Page Poet. That is my signature. The book and the poem entitled Promises. <clears throat> Okay, I'm going to read the book entitled, um, the poem, I keep saying book, wow, it's a poem entitled Promises. <clears throat> he promises me everything good and kind, but what do I get instead? A watermelon rind. His words are like porous teeth. They fall out easily and never stay in long enough to chew or grind up the grit and the grime peddled by father time. <laughs> no pun intended. He promises me everything sweet and gentle but what do I get instead? A movie rental. His gifts are like prizes from a Cracker Jack box. Nothing sparkles or shines. It's easily broken. And it's not a rare find. Promises. Promises. That's all he has to offer. But they are empty, never full. End of piece. <laughs> and that's that piece entitled Promises. So I'm going to ask Warrior is Queen. Warrior is Queen, what are your thoughts about that piece? Oh, yeah, with the promises. And uh, what you have read, well, I really don't have anything to say because uh, it's basically it's in connection to you know with the topic that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And also, it's a reminder of you know lessons, shattered pieces being restored. And I was trying to uh, find a poem that I could you know read, you know regarding the connection, but they all seem to be you know connected to the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's one. His title is on page 43. It's titled, How Dare You? How dare you make me feel? How dare you come up into my life and make me trust you, then dip, 
get my feeling all involved in nothing. It's like a 20-degree day outside, so cold with no response from you. Serendipity is what I thought. I was pulled in by the notion, promise of a warm heart, love that runs deep, undying affections, animal attractions. But now this is nothing but a feeling that consumed my heart and mind. It has stopped me dead in my tracks. I start to question all I ever known, brought conflict, confusion within myself. How dare you leave me with no answer and no clue? Mm. The end of the poem. Mm-hmm. This is the open mic empowerment session. And we going deep. You're telling it like it is by way of poetry. And I like that poem. It was straight. No bends, no curves. It was short and sweet. It was a testimonial. A woman scorned indeed. There's so many women that can identify with that poem. And I want to thank you for sharing that, Warrior's Queen. And now I'm going to share a poem. It's entitled, What I Lost, I Cannot Say. But I lost, I cannot get back. So this poem I'm dedicating to every woman because guess what? All of us have either experienced this or we will yet experience it in life. But hopefully, I do hope, and that's all I can do is hope and pray. This won't be your testimony to anyone out there who's not experienced it because it's not the kind of experience that I would want you to have. It's entitled, What I Lost, I Cannot Get Back. I lost my virginity to a man, but my heart and soul he did not take. My spirit he did not break. He took from me something more precious than refined silver, but I gave in. I believe the fruit of his lips were pure and not laced with lies. He declared he would love and cherish me for always. The wedding was blissful, but two years later, the mirage faded. Nothing good comes easy. I had to pay the piper. This experience was not a pleasure cruise. Bumps and bruises marked the journey and me for life. So you say love is free? Freely given and freely received? I beg to differ. Love does hurt, especially when you're the one who loves the most. Boasting became roasting, and smiling became crying. Believing a lie became my alibi. No one should go through life feeling sorry for his or herself. No one should be deceived. 
I returned to the place where I initially sacrificed my life, gave up my special gifts, became a wife to a man who never truly understood the true worth of my special gift, presented with a kiss. He became indifferent. My eyes were his wise, and his wise became demands for my eyes. And nothing seemed clear to me any longer. The chips fell in many uneven ways. The whole union became an adverse command adverse communal song and dance. Loving iniquity was what caused my vulnerability. I became his bait. He became my sweet temptation. A quick fix for an emotionally distraught victim of circumstance. His deed was gnaw and void. I was not fully his property. He had sold the rights to my body to another. His love for money destroyed his love for me. I never sought to avenge myself of my adversary. He was the one I first loved, the only one I ever made love to. He did nothing more than salivated over the thought of consuming me. I became his ideal meal. The one thing he wanted nothing more to do than to suck, chew, and grind all the time. He howled at first glance, but I never did suspect he was the wolf and I would be the silent lamb a prey to his slaughter. His wonderful ways were nothing more than mere false pretenses. He did what was necessary to imprison me. I am more than he would ever be, better than he was, and more of an honest soul than he. He did not take away my dignity. He took my virginity and nothing more. End of piece. And that is that piece. That piece entitled What I Lost I Cannot Get Back by Sage the Page Poet. That is my signature. Uh, this is very snap, 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 for that promo. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> the finger snap. <laughs> I know. I want to comment. Go ahead. No, you go, you can go ahead. I bow and curtsy. All right. Uh, and so the line, you know, love is, uh, love is freely given and freely received. And mm-hmm. that stood out because that is how the man hurt the woman. She gave him love, but he took advantage of it and everything else that was connected to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, you know, there's always one in a relationship that gives the most. And um, fortunately, 
a lot of times the one that gets the most is the one that's hurt. Yes, like a cow. What's the saying? The quote: "Why buy the cow when you're getting the milk for free?" Oh yeah, that's true. But then again, that's a different circumstance in a relationship because in that circumstance and relationship, um, the person agrees to the situation. They're not like a lamb to the slaughter per se, like uh. an person taking advantage of, right? You know what it is that you're asked or asked to do. You're not being uh, persuaded and taken advantage of in a sense because you want it and you're going into the situation not blindly but awake. Mm -hmm. So you have full, you know, you have to take onus, onus of your actions. Mm -hmm. So it's not I like had, a, uh, you know, this one, you know, like uh, a lamb to the slaughter, oh, kind of like a lamb doesn't really know what's coming. And they're very, what, mm -hmm. trusting. So the lamb is thinking the wolf has their best interests at heart. Mm -hmm. It's a wolf. It's a lamb. They're, you know, they've been made enemies. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I chose that metaphor. Mm. Like I'm, I'm talking about the victimized, uh, innocent mm. in this poem. Yeah. Now the first one, promise. That person is a little more spunky. Like they kind of knew the situation, but they liked the person, but. It was just they didn't like mm. what the person did. <laughs> like oh, they were, yeah. um, that's where it tied in with expectations versus reality. They expected more. They expected, mm -hmm. you know, one thing, and the person gave them something that was much less in value in that relationship. So that was totally different. Mm -hmm. So it was like an adventure, you know, in, in the Promises poem. That the person yeah. with the fix it, but they, yeah, but um, no, not the fix it. But what I'm trying to say is that they could, you know, it wouldn't be as bad, you know, with the um, with the other person's troubles. Wouldn't, in other words, they could, you know, tolerate it. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like some situations we walk into, we can walk out of. Some situations we walk into, somebody has to bring a stretcher in to carry us out of. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. So, yeah, the severity, yeah. Mm. <laughs> that, then that person, uh, you bring that person out in the structure, they won't know what happened. Only, you know, the, only the witness that harmed them does, and they're going to make it that it was their side of the story. Right. Mm. That's right. So now I'm going to share another um now, this is another one because we're talking about relationships. It's called The Black Admiral is the Black Knight. Eyes full of light, reflections of dominance and candor. His sword is his inkwell full of ink. His mighty spirit is his crown and glory. The Black Admiral ranks high. His integrity illuminates high and lofty estates. Like a mole digging deep. His words pierce the body, mind, and soul, till all that's present 
is the inner workings of a heart and soul free of guile. The Black Knight is mightier than the Sword of Khan. He is the ultimate warrior and the most profound scholar in the room. He is the perfect lover and the consummate groom. The Black Admiral is the patron of saints and the Black Knight is the primary caregiver. Two souls, one body. The Black Admiral and the Black Knight both battle against the roots of injustices, opposing the contrary forces, the destructive winds of adversity that oppose change. We must arise, nation, to reaffirm our status in the Emoja circle. Sacrifices are necessary to license good success. I repeat, sacrifices are necessary to license good success. No suffering, no victory. The Black Admiral marches onward as the Black Knight rides high upon a strong horse fit for gallantry. When we steer our way clear of negativity, we do prominent things and welcome just men into our homes. We then are marked for good success. The Black Knight marries the virtuous woman when the dew is still fresh on the grass. The Black Admiral arrests the unfit husband to release the honorary bride via a letter of divorce to make her free to marry the Black Admiral, a just man. This is the parable of love and war. And that is that piece. The Black Admiral is the Black Knight. I love that piece. When I wrote that piece, you know what? I went like to the 16th century. I went back in time mm -hmm. and I saw like the, the Black Admiral and I saw the Black Knight and I saw them like on these horses, right? And you know how jousting is mm -hmm. done? And they were like going towards each other like they were going to joust and then they came together as mm -hmm. one. So that's how the piece came about as for the, wow. the writing. Yeah. Boy, I don't. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of anything. What I want to say, it won't come to mind. You know what you just read, but mm -hmm. I'll say this. You know, when we got, well, you know, um, that was correct. And then in my mind, I saw the two, the Black Admiral and the Black Knight. You know, becoming one, like crashing into each other, but. That was before, you know, you, I thought one was going to win against the other until, you know, you had said about what had, they were merging as one. Right. So it was like an alter ego superhero. And just yeah. Like they, you know, the normal person, but when danger happens, they become the alter ego. <laughs> they're one and the same person, but they have, you know, in other words, the, the, the regular person and the alter ego are different weapons, you know, for the different, you know, dangers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, like Zorro, and, uh, like Zorro Black mm -hmm. Panther. <laughs> mm, yeah. And like how it ends, you know, it says, you know, this is the parable of love and war. So you have these this dichotomy. You have these two different realities. Mm -hmm. Love is one, and war is the other. So it's like, you know, this is that as well. So in life, we have to take both, you know, you have to take the good and the bad, the sweet and the bitter. Mm -hmm. And it all mixes together. And that's what we call life. Mm -hmm. Life happens. You're like the Cherokee, yeah, the Cherokee mess, the good mm -hmm. wolf and the bad wolf. But you yeah, have that choice about which wolf is going to win. 
and we do choose which one is going to win. Sometimes we choose the right wolf to win, and in some situations in our life, we feed the 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 wolf that shouldn't be fed. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, goodness. Uh-huh. Then we heard about it later. We were like, oh, man. Why did I do it? Why did I let that be? No, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, yeah, about the beast and all, and this thought had came and said, how can I put it? It's that people figure they get into, you know, they're with this bad person, but they figure, but. It's that how can I put it that um that common delusion or common belief that you know uh, nobody else if you leave this person that's bad for you there's nobody else for you you know you meet another person they're going to do the same thing to you and that belief you know holds us to the bad person. That's right. Mm-hmm. Where we figure we leave that person and then. The bad person will say, "Well, nobody else is going to want to be, going to want you because of your, you know, quote misbehavior." End quote. Mhm. Yeah, that's why you can't keep nobody in it. That's right. We hear these negatives, but mm-hmm. what we have to learn to do is, um accentuate the positive so when people are saying negative we say but i'm a better person for doing that you know think of what's positive about the situation Mm -hmm. and highlight that and let the naysayers have the negativity Mm -hmm. that's not something we need to absorb you know, we're light beings, electric. I believe Dr. Shavy, that was something he mentioned about people of color. Um, mm. Those who are of the first people of the planet that um, our bodies are a certain way, the way our bodies are, DNA and genetically speaking, how we are made and formed. And uh, being electric beings, there's certain foods we can't eat. There's certain foods that we should eat because of our body's makeup. So, I mean, there are certain actions even that we shouldn't get, we should engage in and certain actions we shouldn't, soulfully speaking, you know, because we are living souls. So we just really need to start making better choices. As I shared that mm-hmm. quote by Les Brown, good, better, best, never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. We should always be striving for ex- excellence in all things. And if we do, we're being diligent. And those that are diligent win every race in life. You know, when you're diligent, you're persistent. You do the necessary things. That means you are punctual and prompt. 
to everything there's a season and a time to every purpose you know that and so you do that by your actions so that's where we need to get to from good to better and from better to best if we're not challenging ourselves every day we're not getting there if we're just saying well i'm good you know yes my how you doing i'm good if we're just there being complacent we're not good and we'll never get from good to better so we've got to strive we've got to strive and we can reach excellence it's going to take time and effort it's going to take consistency but we'll reach it it's not going to be overnight and we have to know that and and be okay with that it's never going to be an overnight success story. That's not reality, but it will be. So we must do the necessary things. And I'm encouraging everyone tonight. I don't know where you are in terms of your relationships. When I say relationships, I'm not just talking about sweethearts. <laughs> I'm not talking about dating. I'm talking about siblings relationships i'm talking about parent to child relationships i'm talking about business partnership relationships i don't know where you are as for your relationships in life but what i can tell you is this you should not be where you once were you should always Find yourself evolving in whatever relationship. Your relationship should be evolving. It should not be, oh, we was here eight years ago. Why are we still here? What's wrong? We're stuck. Why are we stuck? If you're finding yourself there in whatever the relationship, the nature of the relationship is, whether it's family relationship, business partner relationship, whatever. If you're stuck in a rut, it's time to seek counseling, get therapy, get help. Because sometimes you and I, or you and that person per se in the relationship, are not the ones to fix things. You need a mediator, you need a middle person. And counseling and therapy matters. It really does. It can help. It can only help. Keep that in mind. For those that don't want help, all I can say to you is, it's time for you to be alone. Because if you're not for solutions, you're for the problem. And how can anything get fixed if you don't take it to where it can be fixed? Just like your car. As soon as you hear something, oh, that don't sound right. Up, uh, I'm call, going right to the mechanic tomorrow. If you can have that much consideration about your car and you can't have that much consideration about your relationship in life, then it's time to end the relationship. And that's just factual. I'm not trying to dictate to anybody. I'm definitely not trying to tell somebody what to do, but I am trying to tell you the truth. Who are you fooling? Some people are just that way. They're more into material things 
than relationships. Relationships should matter. Because out of relationships, the families of the world come into being. So more emphasis should be on, hey, something's wrong. We're going to fix this. Let's go get some counseling, therapy. When someone's talking talking like that in a relationship, they're willing. That's a willing mind. They want to see things grow. They want to see it prosper and flourish. That's a relationship that can be saved. So we need to note the difference. If we're in relationships, hear the signs, see the red flags, see the signs, know when that relationship, when it's it's time to end it and know, okay, you know what? This can be salvaged. We're going to get some help. These are choices we've got to make in our, relationships people well i want to thank everyone for tuning in don't forget if you haven't purchased your copy of the book the book is now available you can go to www.theisaacwilsonproject.org i repeat www.theisaacwilsonproject.org and that book is entitled in between single and married when your reality doesn't meet your expectation i repeat the book is entitled in between single and married when your reality doesn't meet your expectation and for those who are not yet married you're in between single and married meaning you are in a relationship and you are considering hmm i think i am Content with this individual to continue and move on to the next level with our relationship. If you are starting to think those thoughts, you're starting to move in that direction, then this book is one you need to have. You know someone else, maybe you have a nephew, niece, friend, lawyer, doctor, teacher, mom, father, brother, sister, godparent neighbor stranger remember we talked about that you can get the stranger with a copy and tell them to pay it forward that's how you keep love flowing from heart to heart and breast to breast giving is loving loving is sharing so with that being said thank you everyone for tuning in and don't you forget tune in again on next week the exceptional school show and you will get more than what you bargained for. Don't forget from nine till 10 o'clock, Warriors Queens of Port Thelman is the lead facilitator. And from eight to nine, says the page poet. That is my signature. I am the host and I will be interviewing a special guest in the spotlight. Don't miss out. I'm not gonna tell you who it's gonna be next week. Another distinct distinction will be made in a great one we're going to have a distinguished guest in the spotlight don't miss it have a blessed week everyone be safe shine your light stay humble and enjoy this november because i'm telling you there's something special about this november year 2019 something very special and i guarantee you 
You will never forget it. This is going to be the best November you have ever experienced in your lifetime. I'm sure of it. Enjoy. <laughs>